Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Michigan should have stood by Jim Harbaugh, not suspended him. Michigan should have stood up to the NCAA, not cave to an ineffective, hypocritical organization. We'll discuss that and more next on this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. But there's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. <laughs> Brady gets terrific. Clemson and a touchdown night again. Schultz just before Brazil got him. And a leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle. Caught by Collinger at the five on his feet. Touchdown, Michigan. Seven, 179 pounds, a junior at Michigan. But Jamie Morris packs a wallop, and he delivers for Bo Schindler. And here's your first play. Pressure coming, sack. It is Glenn Steele, number 81, who fought his way through the traffic. Option. And Robinson calls his own number, and he's going to score. Oh, an easy touchdown for Ron Robinson and Michigan. championship again because we're going to play as a team and when we play as a team and the old season is over you and I know it's going to be Michigan again Michigan Go Blue. I'm Steve Dace. Welcome to this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. And we should be discussing game week. Uh, It is finally here. The most wonderful time of the year is finally here. But let's face it, Michigan's like a 40-point favorite. There's not a lot of drama there. Um, And we'll get into more of that with Mark Rogers coming up in the next segment of the show. Really the big news this week, and, and Jimmy himself made sure of it by leading off his first weekly press conference of the year by laying out kind of a state of collegiate athletics address instead of talking about the upcoming season opener. So we'll follow suit. I think Michigan made a calamitous mistake in suspending Jim Harbaugh. I think it's even immoral, not to mention um, just completely and totally unnecessary. I think Michigan is bending over backwards. We're now at the point that we're not going to have recruiting weekends. The first two games of the year at home 
in order to appease this dying, decrepit, ineffective, hypocritical organization known as the NCAA. There's nothing about this that is leaders and best, actually. Uh, this is Michigan attempting to obey stipulations and systems no one else is and no one else finds relevant. And I, I just can't tell if, if Michigan is doing this naively in good faith to try to avoid further NCAA punishment or if this is just traditional Michigan sanctimony. Here, let us show again that uh, we care more about things no one else does for reasons. Regardless, there is no good reason why Michigan did what it did. This is the time for leaders and best to actually live up to the lyrics of our songs. Michigan should have stood up to the NCAA and said, listen, we sat here and did you, we sat here and said nothing while Tennessee paid $8 million to make bag dropping go away. We sat here and said nothing while the feds even came in and found clear examples of money laundering. And yet almost no one was punished for this. The coach at LSU was on tape paying off players. He lasted, what, three more years? Bill Self is still in college basketball. Nothing's changed. So here's what we're going to do. You're going to leave us the hell alone and never darken our door, or we're going to use all of the considerable clout we have and end whatever is left of your miserable existence, NCA. That is exactly what the university should have done. What it's doing now, it's negotiating against itself. This is not a real organization. It's a dying one. It's one desperate for relevancy, and so it has found someone in Michigan who's even more sanctimonious than they are. And so Michigan is out there bending over backwards to an organization the rest of the country is flouting and laughing at. We have Southern, we have got schools in the SEC running, I don't even know how this is IRS compliant, non-profits you can donate to in order to funnel money to players. I don't even have a, I don't have a clue how the IRS is not looking at this. Nevertheless, they're not. This has to end at some point. I don't care if Jim Harbaugh bought out the entire damn pretzel bell restaurant for those recruits. I don't care. My only thing that I would have done if I was Jimmy is I would have said, my answer is guns up. I like them apples. That's my answer. I wouldn't have given him. I don't recall. And I don't know. I'd have given him and the horse you rode in on done that instead. That's the only mistake Jim Harbaugh made here. This is the equivalent to, you know what? We are, we're in a city like Chicago, we're like 11 people die every weekend, but we're going to make sure you obey the speed limit. This is beyond ridiculous, and it's embarrassing, frankly, to watch Michigan go out there and punish itself for an organization that doesn't deserve it, has no credibility left whatsoever, and we all exist, has a, all agree, has a pretty decent shot of having almost no control over major college football in the next 24 months or so. So then why are you doing this? What is the point of this? Who freaking cares what they think? You've got a million-dollar coach that's led you to back-to-back Big Ten championships and flirted with the NFL. Care what he thinks. Well, Steve, didn't you want him gone a few years ago? Yeah, because a few years ago he wasn't that good. Now he's great, so give him whatever he wants. See, I have this really silly thing where I care about results. That's what I care about. If you get me results, then to me, I'm for you getting whatever you want. If you don't, then you're gone. I mean, I thought that's what leaders and best meant. I thought that's what Victor's Valiant meant. We're here to win. And if we're not winning, you got to go. And if we are, you're great. Stay forever. And so we're winning right now. And winning at the clip and at the rate, not just going nine and three, but winning and having meaningful seasons. So you bet. Give Jim Harbaugh whatever the hell he wants. Just like get rid of him if he can't do that. But if he can, give him whatever the hell he wants. 
And it's very clear from the statement that the coach made on Monday, this is not what he wants. It's very clear from the statement the coach made Monday, this is not the university standing by him. And we are harming ourselves. Both this, Let's appeal and let's live up to the absolute last syllable of NIL rules that no one else is. No one else is. So why are we? Why are we doing this? That's the Michigan difference. Sometimes I wonder if, if, if our university prefers more to be self-righteous than to win. Holding ourselves to rules no one else is. Enforcing rules upon ourselves no one else is having enforced on them. Why? Why are we doing this? Why are we telling our coach heading into the season where the highest ranked we've been since I was still in high school, hey, you're going to sit out one-fourth of the season for what? For who? Who are we trying to please? What is the point of all of this? This was our opportunity to lead and put this organization out of its freaking misery. Instead, we made our coach miserable. It makes absolutely no sense. It's not leadership on any level. Who freaking cares that we jaywalked? Who freaking cares we went 35 in a school zone? They're out there freaking drunk driving and doing cocaine in the SEC. Why the hell do we care? Why are we let them, letting them come at us? Who the hell produces more and better lawyers than the University of Michigan does? Euthanize that institution. It's been hanging by a string, Jack Kevorkian style, for decades anyway. Pull up the van, give them the drip, and let's end this garbage. And let's have a legitimate regulatory body where we, do, where we, ad- we admit we have to give the players some money given the amount of money we're generating. And it's all above board and we're all adults and it's all done in an above board fashion and transparently. Instead, we still have this black market and then we've got this joke of an organization. And instead of taking it on and calling it out like Harbaugh did on Monday, this university keeps trying to cave to them. It's sad. It's pathetic. It's the stuff of surrender caucus. It's surrender theater. Stop it. You're embarrassing yourselves. Steve Dace here, and we get asked a lot, hey, how can we support what you guys are doing at Michigan Podcast? Well, now is a great time to become one of our supporters on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Michigan Podcast is where you can go. Patreon.com slash Michigan Podcast. And if you go there, we're going to make you a little jingle. Uh, in fact, you would have gotten these a few months ago, before the, long before the season even started. All of my 2023 football futures bets I've made thus far. I can't recommend a selection any more than I bet this myself. And last year, if you followed my football futures bets and you bet alongside of me, you made a pretty nice ROI chunk of change by the time the season ended. So keep up to date on all things we think and do uh, here at Michigan Podcast patreon.com at Michigan podcast, but more importantly, just five bucks a month. And chances are, you're going to make a lot more money than that following our sports betting selections, patreon.com slash Michigan podcast. Again, patreon.com slash Michigan podcast. And thanks to all of you that have been supporting us already. We appreciate each and every one of you go blue. All right, let's talk some football. Of course, week one of the college football season is upcoming. Michigan will help to lead it off at noon Eastern on Peacock in the season opener against East Carolina. Wolverines right now, last I checked, about 36-point favorites against the Pirates. Let's talk about that and more with Mark Rogers, who's got an outstanding channel here on YouTube, the voice 
of college football. He is wearing the right color for this segment. You look good in blue, Mark. Keep that up. Appreciate it. How you been, brother? It looks more like to me that I'm wearing UCLA blue because I was anticipating there might be a game between your team and UCLA, but I didn't get a chance to see that game. No, there's no point uh, in playing those games when you can play Valdosta State in week 13, not win your division, but because you play in the SEC, make the college football playoffs. So why the hell are we playing those teams? I wouldn't play Texas next year. I wouldn't play any of those teams. There's no point to it. You're not getting any reward for it whatsoever. So why are we doing that? I mean, that goes back to the conversation I was just having a minute ago. I mean, we got we're, our school's bending over backwards to appease the NCAA for catching us jaywalking in a school zone. And the SEC, man, they're literally at, they're driving they're, they're driving 55 in a school zone at 0.6 blood alcohol while snorting cocaine off a hooker's ass. What are we even doing here? What the hell are we even doing here? But that's the that's the last conversation. Let's get to some games. Um, And so Michigan opens up against East Carolina this weekend. I don't know if you watched all of Jimmy's press conference this week, aside from his opening statement, but it, man, it, it, between how they're going to handle the coaching with Jimmy gone and Sharon Moore suspended too. And it it looks now like you got a bandaid sitting Saturday out. I mean, it looks like Michigan's playing. Looks like a preseason game now, like, officially safeties no one they've never played look like they're going to start all right it looks like after you get past a few guys like trevor keegan zach center jj mccarthy blake corm and donovan edwards now those guys are pretty damn good but it looks like after you get past those guys you're going to see a lot of people playing saturday and a lot that you've never heard of before i mean it looks like michigan has just decided hey man oh look you got a cough sit this one out that's how it kind of sounds from listening to harbaugh I would take the five touchdowns if I had heard of some of the guys on the other team. Unfortunately, East Carolina, after having a nice season last year at eight and five, almost upset NC State in the opener on the road last year. Just wow, they're they're a bit gutted. Uh, Holton Ayler's a really good quarterback at the Group Five, you know, American Conference level. Twenty-eight touchdowns, five interceptions. He's gone. Leading rusher gone. Two thousand-yard receivers gone. Their leading rusher at fifteen hundred yards gone so this east carolina team unfortunately uh, not going to bring much of a resistance i don't know at what point it's going to get out of hand uh i i do know that uh what i'm interested in seeing steve is at least this brings a little intrigue to the game with jim harbaugh not on the sidelines with sharon moore uh suspended for the game are there going to be some communication issues or there Mm -hmm. going to be some hiccups because of that i can't imagine that the game's going to be called either offensively or defensively certainly offensively any different than it would be otherwise but you know maybe they have some hiccups maybe they have some some communication issues because of that um and and then the the transfer portal provides a, a little bit of intrigue for everyone across the board uh because it's been an a dominant offensive line for the last two seasons and I hear good things about the incoming guys from Arizona State and Stanford but I got to see it on the field and uh, again this isn't going to be necessarily the litmus test but I want to see the transfer players uh, the linebacking core is really good but Ernest Hausman does push for some playing time and 
uh, significant playing time, I would think, from Nebraska. So there, there's quite a few things there. And you mentioned the safeties. Yes, I, I guess they're just going to sit all those guys down uh, because they are suffering some maybe not long-term injuries there, but uh, some guys are dinged up a little bit, uh, especially there at the safety position that they're 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 looking out for. Yeah, I think there's banged up, and then I think there is, if we were playing one of the states, Michigan State, Penn State, or Ohio State this week, would that guy play? And I think all those guys, if we were playing one of the states, all those guys would be playing. But we're not. We're playing an East Carolina team that you are that you just, you know, because you're you, you were able to pinpoint exactly why they rank so low in the, the returning production rankings. That is a gutted roster from a pretty decent group of five team a year ago. And so because of that, I think, you know, you're going to see a lot of those guys, I mean, not play. I mean, Jesse Minter, our defensive coordinator, already said his goal is to have 26 guys play in the first half against East Carolina. And you mentioned the transfer portal. That's one way that you avoid getting gutted by that is you have opportunities where everybody feels like they're contributing. Everybody feels like they're playing. And that's kind of part of the culture here. It's one of the reasons why, unless you're, you know, Blake Corum, a lot of guys don't build up like gaudy stats here. You know, I remember watching the Ohio State-Iowa game last year and you guys were up at like 30. And Ryan Day still has C.J. Stroud throwing into the end zone. You know, I I, kind of like that because you're going for a Heisman Trophy. I get it. That's just not what Harbaugh does. I mean, the minute Harbaugh senses a game is under control, he's just emptying the benches, man. I mean, we'll play everybody. I mean, there's nothing more Jim loves than ending a game, saying in the postgame radio, 111 guys played today. He loves saying that stuff, okay? So uh, just those are different approaches between your school and mine. We don't really care about building people's statistical profiles or individual awards to our own detriment because I think that does that stuff does matter when it comes to recruiting um and so um I, I think we weren't going to see a lot of the guys that are banged up probably weren't going to play a lot Saturday anyway now I think we're going to see several of those guys mark just not even play at all and you'll see some guys that you know this is going to this team's going to lose a lot next year next year's finally the year that your message boards will be correct Okay, and we're going to have a bunch of new players. They have said the last three years that Michigan was a team of fifth-year seniors, and it wasn't true. Next year, they'll be somewhat true, uh, accurate about that. And so this is an opportunity to get a guy that's going to have to be one of your safeties next year, Keon Sab, former big-time recruit. Opportunity for him to get a start, you know, and, and to go through all those preparations and everything and get a jump on next year. I'm very anxious to see who the second quarterback after J.J. will be. It's a room with, a, with guys that have played football, like, you know, Jack Tuttle at Indiana, just not well. It's, you know, Davis Warren has played well the last two springs, a former walk-on who had Mac offers but wanted to come to Michigan. And then you have Alex Orgy, who we saw last year in some packages, uh, Wildcat packages, who's a very gifted runner, an elite-level athlete. He just came in, you know, a guy who was very underdeveloped in high school from a passing perspective. So I will be very interested to see who the second quarterback is after J.J. Because I, I currently, I don't believe next year's quarterback is on the roster if J.J. goes pro. And if we have anything, if, if we have anything close to the year we think we're going to have, he's going to go pro. And so I don't think next year's quarterback is on the roster. I think it's either Jaden Davis or they're going to dip into the transfer portal and try to find their Sam Hartman, basically. Yeah, because Jack Tuttle, by his high school credentials, would have been a prospect and was a serious prospect at one point. But I think we've seen enough of him, although we've not seen him in a Michigan uniform with like talent around him uh, competing against uh, 
you know, a, a team where he actually has the kind of support that, that he would need in a competitive Big Ten game. So we've not seen that out of him. Although if we go back a couple of years in relief of Michael Penix, when Indiana was a better team with capable receivers, he still never really showed us that he could be a starting quarterback in this league. Alex Orgy, yes, I, I think he's a, a package player. I don't ever see him emerging based on what I've seen and based on what I've heard. And Davis Warren he looked like the best quarterback in the spring, may actually be the best quarterback. I don't know, but I just don't think he is the kind of top-end talent that you want leading a team that you expect to be competing and winning Big Ten championships. I do, in fact, though, like your coach's approach to the numbers game that you laid out between Ryan Day and Jim Harbaugh, because I do think that there's value to... Guys are lifting weights, running, working their tails off for an entire offseason throughout the season. And if it's 55 to 10 and you can't get them into a game, when are you going mm -hmm. to get there? It has to be some reward at some point. So I, I tend to like that. Uh, unless you really need to work on something, I tend to like that approach. Three things I'm looking for in this game. Number one. I think teams will not play us the way they did last year. We we were stunned on the Michigan side of things how often teams played their safeties back despite how much we were running the ball. And that's why we just, I mean, last year we ran the ball 63% of the time. And it really wasn't until we played you guys that, team, that somebody like stacked. Illinois was stacking the box post-snap, but it really wasn't until we played you guys that someone just came in right out of the huddle and we like looked at an eight-man front leg on every down. Um. And, you know, TCU plays kind of a unique defense with that 3-3-5 where a bunch of, like, seven guys just kind of stand around the line of scrimmage and you're trying to guess which ones are coming and which ones drop back. I think this year with the way that we ran the ball last year, everyone's stacking the box. And so I think the play-action opportunities uh, and the man-to-man -man opportunities for J.J. are going to be plentiful like they were against your team last November. So, number one, I want to see J.J. connecting on more of those. He's had an entire offseason. Remember last year he did not. With the shoulder injury, he didn't throw at all until June. People forget that. And then he was still competing with Cade McNamara for the starting job all through camp. So he, was, he, he missed six months of development, didn't get starters reps until the second week of the year. Now he's been the starter the whole time. He's had an entire year uh, of development. So I want to see more connecting on those deep passes. That's number one. Number two, I want to see who the second quarterback is coming out. And then number three, I want to see what the pass rush is with just the front four. Those are the three things that I'm looking for in the game on Saturday. What about you? If they were playing a more capable opponent, uh, this would be easier to answer. And, and I'm not talking about like they would have to be playing a Tennessee or Ohio State level of offense. But because of the concerns at the second, third, fourth cornerback positions when they have to put multiple uh, you know, when there are four or five wide receivers out uh, for the opposing team, because I hear a, a Marion Walker still banged up. Uh, Josh Wallace, I want to see how how good of a transfer into the program he is, how how high of a, a, a end player that he is. So the, the corners matching up against capable wide receivers, I don't know that we're going to get this. And again, if this was Texas San Antonio, Western Kentucky, somebody that can really sling the ball around the yard as a group of five then I would think that that would tell us a little bit more. And the same thing really with the wide receivers and being able to differentiate whether this is a good group, because I know it's a capable group, depending on your standard. But is there a guy 
in this group or two that are top-end guys. Uh, we're not making Ohio State the standard of wide receiver play, but top-end elsewhere in the Big Ten are you know, Roman Wilson, of course, we've seen him. Cornelius Johnson, we've seen him. I'm mildly impressed with them as playmakers, but I would like to see more at cornerback position, wide receiver, uh, to sell me on Michigan's ability to win a playoff game eventually this year. All right, before we let, get, let you go, let's switch gears, talk about your club, Ohio State. Uh, so right before you and I started taping today, Ryan Day announced Kyle McCord will be the starting quarterback uh, for your club this fall. Um, I'm sure you watched the Big Ten Network's tour of Ohio State. Well, a few days ago, uh, Dave Revson and Howard Griffith sat down together to kind of do a download of their thoughts post-camp tour. And they both agreed that they were far more concerned about the offensive line and the pass rush at Ohio State than they were whomever Ryan Day would eventually choose to be the quarterback. Your thoughts on that, on, the, on, on that observation and the decision to go with McCord? It's not a good observation to hear, uh, especially at the offensive line position, at the tackle positions in particular. I'm still not concerned. Those guys aside, I have all the respect in the world for them. Their analysis of showing up for one day and looking at Jack Sawyer and JT Tui Molawau and they're going to be able to rush the quarterback. It's almost my thought concerning Michigan, and I'll tack one on for Saturday in regards to the maize and blue and then tie this into the Ohio State question, would be I know Michigan's got a nice collection of edge rushers, but I think that they have quietly, and I don't hear this coming from Michigan circles, and my engagement with Michigan fans and media is pretty extensive. I don't hear a lot of talk about the edge rushers, and we heard and saw Jalen Harrell, Braden McGregor. Those guys flashed last year, and then you bring in Josiah Stewart. I think that they could, uh, and, and based on a couple of comments Jim Harbaugh made, I think he's really pleased with the way they complement each other. They may have different moves, different skill sets, a little bit different um, skill sets in the toolbox for each one that makes him excited to see once they unleash these guys and an opponent, what kind of havoc they can wreak. And I think the same thing with Ohio State. They will have a really good defensive line. Their, their floor is a good defensive line. Will they wreak the kind of havoc that they should and have failed to do so the last few years? I, I'm not concerned there. Offensive line, pass blocking, having capable tackles uh, because of the pass being so uh, such a part of this offense, that's the big concern for me. Uh, Kyle McCord, Devin Brown. Devin Brown has gained this huge surge from Ohio State fans and media and with some media because I think it took McCord so long to get the job, to win the job, that there was just fear that, okay, well, he must not be what he's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And Devin Brown is a dynamic athlete in terms of uh, breaking contain and threatening a defense. And people just, I think, tend to gravitate that way. And it makes sense because if there's any similarities in terms of level of play throwing the ball, then of course you'd rather have the guy that can threaten a defense with his legs and improvise and do those things. But Kyle McCord, by all measurements, is an elite thrower of the football. And I mean in practice. I mean he can spin it 
as well as just about anyone. Now, can he put that together with the leadership, the decision making, and be able to do that under the gun? That remains to be seen. But we're not going to dive into the track record because we've had that discussion many, many times. The last 10 quarterbacks have been just fine to various degrees playing for championships. So that would speak to them being fine there. But the offensive line, absolutely. If you're going to be uh, substandard anywhere in the Big Ten, especially, but anywhere in college football, if mm -hmm. your goal is to win a championship, don't be substandard along the offensive line. Excellent point. Before we let you go, one last quick thing. Something you think about Big Ten football, could be a team, a player, et cetera, that you think differently about now, now that camp is over and you've learned more about these teams and these players, something you think differently now than you were thinking maybe the, uh, the entire offseason before camp began? I will be kicking myself at the end of this season if Penn State wins the Big Ten championship because I can see it right now. I picked Michigan to finish with the best record in the Big Ten or the best record overall. I am picking Ohio State to win the national championship. I'm on record there. Uh, and I've not done that in five or six years. And But I'm looking at Penn State thinking... I don't know about their wide receiver core. Uh, they lost a really good tight end to the NFL, as they typically do. But Theo Johnson's supposed to be a good player as well. They're supposed to have their best offensive line under James Franklin. But their defense could be lights out. Their defense could be Iowa, but with a bunch of freak NFL athletes. I think that on all levels, they are a top five unit at all three levels on defense. And if Drew Aller is what he's expected to be, and we've already seen him throw the ball, I'm impressed with him just spinning the ball. Uh, wow. I, I think this could be their breakout year. Great stuff, Mark. Good to talk ball again, brother. We'll see you again next week. All right. Take care. Thanks, Steve. You bet. We'll come back, wrap things up in a moment. This week's Twitter poll results. We asked you, hey, last year, Michigan ran the ball about 63% of the time. Are you taking the over or under on percentage of running plays this year? 80% said under. That would be my vote. In fact, I think it'll be well under. I think it'll even be under 60. I'm going to guess 58-42, which is still obscene, but nothing like what we saw last year. 20% of you said over. That would stun me if Michigan... I think the only way Michigan runs the ball more than 63% of the time is if something happens to J.J. McCarthy from an injury standpoint and early in the year as well that brings us to our feedback of the week and let's pray that doesn't happen i tweeted out one thing with jimmy that is a constant whatever it is it's going to be weird i mean this is the most this is the weirdest coaching lineup of all time we've got four different people five different head coaches michigan's going to have i'm sorry four different head coaches michigan's going to have in the first three games including two different ones in the same game the strength and conditioning coach promoted to associate head coach. The coach's dad promoted to associate head coach. Kyle Wright says, nah, it's not weird. He's just trolling us now. That's entirely possible as well. All right, that'll do it for this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. Don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, share, five-star review, follow. No matter how you watch, like here on YouTube or how you listen, like on iTunes, help us to find more Michigan fans just like you. And you can also... 
Tune in to us in between episodes. Follow us on game day for our instant, complete, total overreactions to each and every Michigan game live and in real time. Follow us on Twitter X, Twitter X, whatever the Sam Hill it's called now. At Michigan Podcast is how you can do that. At Michigan Podcast. Until the next time, enjoy it. The games are here. The season is here. Go Blue. I'm Steve Dace.